Gobble gobble once again, motherfuckers. It's Thanksgiving here in Podville. I'm Matisse Van Rossum. I'm just thankful for my boys. I'm Ben Sheets, and I'll show you what to be thankful for. I'm Cleveland Mosier, and uh, I'm thankful for bad movies. I'm also thankful for bad movies. And on this most glorious day of turkeys and cranberry sauce and stuffing, we stuffed ourselves with maybe one of the most baffling films I've seen in a long time. Today, we're going to be talking about the film Pilgrim, which is a part of Hulu's Into the Dark series, directed by Marcus Dunstan and stars Rain Edwards, Kerr Smith, Courtney Hengeler, and Peter Giles. It is the story of a young woman who invites reenactors to produce an authentic first Thanksgiving for her family and friends. However, Things take an unexpected turn when the actors refuse to break character. Uh, big quotes. Uh, they claim this is based on a true story. <laughs> yeah, that was weird, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I thought they were like pulling a Coen Brothers with Fargo. Like, I, I guess. Before we get into the details of the film specifically, uh, let's talk a little bit about Into the Dark. Uh, Into the Dark is a monthly series collaboration between Hulu and Blumhouse. The idea is that every month they release a horror film that is uh, somehow loosely tied to the biggest holiday of that month. Yeah, it's a weird hybrid between TV and film in a lot of ways because it is, you know, monthly right. show essentially. But the film, uh, but, but they are feature-length feature yeah. yeah. I have been seeing ads for these things for a few months now. This is the first one I've watched. I don't know too much about the deal between Hulu and Blumhouse, but if they're releasing a film every single month, I can't imagine how quickly they throw these things together. And I think that this film is a really excellent example of that. Marcus Dunstan, who made this film, is also the writer and director of The Collector and The Collection. <laughs> um, Two movies that are incredibly dated. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, extremely. They are like the epitome of mid-2000s editing and cinematography style. I, I loved The Collector when it came out when I was a teenager. Yes. It was one of when my... We were wee lads. I, did yeah. we see it together in the theaters? Uh, we might have. Maybe. It seems like Marcus Dunstan has not changed his uh, his filmmaking style much since The Collector. Honestly, if you told me this was a time capsule and they just pulled this movie out of the ground from a mid-2000s box, I wouldn't have been surprised. Because the style of this movie... I, I think it's fair to call it a fever dream. Yeah, well, what the impression that I got is, like I was saying, this is obviously not a very high-budget film. They're cranking these things out. they got to have one every month. So I would imagine that they probably shot this film over a weekend, maybe. I would, I would go as far as say, likely over a weekend and also very drunk. I hope so, anyway. Like, when you have a movie that's like this slapdash and fun, I hope at least the crew was having a good time while they were making it. And I got the vibe they were... Say what you want about the movie, and I have plenty of things, but it does give you the vibe that they're like, oh, who gives a shit? Let's just make a movie. And I, I it's definitely, sometimes find that endearing. It definitely feels like who gives a shit. Yeah, they obviously do not care. That is absolutely the vibe I got off of this. There's a healthy degree of self-awareness 
but I also feel like a lot of it is derived from laziness or or maybe just not having the time. If I had to guess, I would say that they had about a weekend to get this thing shot. And when they went to rent their equipment, the only uh, camera package they had available was uh, X Games, (laughs) because bizarrely, the entire film is shot with a fisheye lens. Yeah, let's unpack that. That's a big one. It's incredibly distracting. Well, it's funny. uh, I think you mentioned it at one point, Tease, where you said this kind of looks like a skateboarding video. Hence why I think they ended up with an X Games camera package. Because because not only do you get the fisheye all the time, you also get this camera work that's constantly moving all over the place. For little and to no reason. And the combination of the two is just one of the most disorienting. And it's and it's edited really quickly and frenetically. Yeah, if you too. have motion sickness, this is not the movie for you. Yeah, I have astigmatism and my glasses already like automatically correct for fisheye. So when I then am adding an additional fisheye on top of that, it makes me ill. I had a migraine after this movie. I had to go home and lie down. It's bad to watch. It, it, it's not great. Maybe like four shots in the movie that don't have a fisheye lens, which leads me to believe that it was artificially created too. Hard to say, but well, like... Well, it's bizarre it, when those shots come up because those seem like an accident because right. the rest of the movie is shot with it. But the one distinction I want to make is between a movie like this and a movie like Crank 2. Where the frenetic camera work and stuff in Crank 2 works because it is a kinetic action movie. Right. In this movie, we get that same kinetic camera work with a lot of people standing around and doing normal things. That's the thing. Passive uh, dialogue sequences where nothing ever happens. just does not work, and it makes it truly feel like a fever dream. Right. I mean, in, in terms of, like, the film's only, like, 80 minutes long, but it's a relative slow burn. Like, there's not really any action until, like, the last 30 minutes. So the entire first good chunk of the movie, first almost two-thirds of the movie, is talking, mostly. Yeah, it's just dialogue. But... It's shot and edited like an action scene. I mean, I counted, and during like one of the, the, the opening party-like sequences where there's just a few people milling around inside the house chatting about how they're going to get some pilgrims to come over for Thanksgiving, they only ever held on any single shot for a second. Boom, 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 boom. It kept up that pace for the entire film. When it's not cutting, it's panning or tracking, and with the fisheye, the motion is hyper-exaggerated because the edges of the frame are just warped. Well, and we talked about this a little bit with our Shining episode, with wide-angle or fisheye lenses from distances, if you have wide shots, they make the area seem very expansive. But if you go in on someone and get a close-up on someone, it distorts them and right. makes their face look very strange and uh, inhuman almost. And it can and be a as great, an effect. It can be a great stylistic choice for effect in something like Crank or uh, like Angst or something like that to momentarily sort of dehumanize a character. It can work really well. Mm-hmm. But when every single shot of the film is is that, I notice it has the same kind of greenish tint fluorescent lighting as uh, those like mid-2000s horror movies. 
very much like Saw or like The Collector, mm-hmm. uh, something along those lines. And when most of the movie is just rich white yuppies in their suburban house, and you're just and you have all of this like extreme stylistic effect, it's impossible to wrap your brain well, around. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. That kind of fever dreams aesthetic is one of my favorites. Like I love Midsummer. I love I love films that do that. But but they do it with intention and, and <laughs> intention effect and subtlety. And I love bombast. You know, like listen to our, our review of Maximum Overdrive. Like I, right. I bombast is great. But this is like driving a car with just exclusively like nitrous injection the whole time. The engine burns out in the first five minutes. Right. Like you need you need to save that nitrous injection for that like prime key moment. You know, uh, the, right, the like, big climax. Don't don't run nitrous the whole race. You you won't finish the race. And this movie suffers from that if dramatically. They, if they wanted to strap on the fisheye in the third act of the movie, when the, when the pilgrim cult turns the family's house into like a Thanksgiving haunted house, uh, from a set design perspective, that's exactly what it looks like. Okay, fine. Fuck it. Yeah. Strap strap on that fisheye. Because that's when we enter a fever dream. Right. Yeah, exactly. The juxtaposition would be so much less that's, jarring. That's when it becomes you know? nightmarish. But when when our teenage protagonist is just uh, shit talking her stepmom at the dinner table, one second cuts and distorted vision is not a matching aesthetic. No, you can't even focus on the dialogue. It's like it's pulling you away so dramatically. And there's there's so many times where they're, they'll like place an actor in like the third of the shot or something, but that's right where the fisheye distortion begins. So it's like your your main focus is is there, but then the person off to the side is like warped to the side. It's like what it looks terrible. It looks so bad. It looks so bad. Amateuristic. Yes, completely amateur. Like if I didn't know that Marcus Dunstan had made stuff before this, I would have thought that this was a film student that Blumhouse threw uh, $20,000 or something. Well, it's like in art, you know, like you'll you'll see a student who draws something poorly and there's like eraser marks and like the paper is is scarred and it, it looks objectively poor. And then the student says, it's my style. And it's like, mm, no, like st- style is different. You know, style comes with control and effect. Style is not accidental. Right. And like that separates the professional from the amateur. Well, and, almost like, worse is I feel like it was kind of purposeful it just didn't have an, any intent behind it yeah you're you're you know it, well, that's that's why i said earlier that it has the hallmarks of laziness it feels like they did it because they couldn't be bothered to do something better and then try to justify it as like oh it's a wacky self-aware thanksgiving slasher film so who cares if it looks like shit it's like well it looks like shit in a way that makes your film hard and bad to watch yeah, there's no sincerity to it. It doesn't feel like they're earnestly going out to make something that's absurd or right. crazy. Just feels like they're kind of half-assing it. That being said, I do want to emphasize that this movie was one of the most entertaining watches I've had in a little yeah, while. Yeah, let's get into the good. Yeah, we've we've addressed the aesthetic and what the entire film looks like. Let's talk about what actually happens yeah. in the film. Do you want to start, Ben? Uh, yeah, so this family is having a bit of a Thanksgiving party. The stepmom, who the daughter has a beef with for some Absolutely reason. Absolutely hates. 
she decides, oh, I want to have an authentic Thanksgiving party, so I'm going to invite these pilgrim reenactors to stay at my house for yeah. days. It, it feels very much like a yuppie upper middle class housewife who is neglected by her husband and disrespected by her children, who is looking for something fun to bring the family together, a new experience. The most baffling part is inviting these people to stay at your house for multiple days is like a troll two level Well, no, that's the thing. She doesn't invite them to stay for multiple days. She invites them to come on Thanksgiving and set up their authentic recreation. They show up days beforehand and say we need a few days to be prepared and she's like oh yeah sure you can stay here and your friend can stay at my friend's house and you can make her thanksgiving uh, that too. was one of my favorite parts yeah. that she just pawned off one of them to her friends without you know asking her whatsoever yeah they're, they're having a little house party and then the the pilgrim actors arrive uh there's just two of them at first yeah there's the leader ethan and and his uh his lady friend patience and the suburban mom just turns to her friend and says oh by the way i offered um uh one of these two pilgrim actors your home to stay in right (laughs) without without like and just right then and there like who the fuck does that like oh yeah this stranger's gonna live in your home for a while and like she she doesn't say no the friend like is like a little like put off by it but not enough it's not a real human interaction by any means. No, it's not. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Our protagonist, Cody, the teenage daughter, she seems to be the only person in the entire film who is, like, rightfully put off by these weirdos who are completely sinister and will not break character at all and just, like, show up and invite themselves into people's houses. She's the only one who's like, hey, we don't know these people. This is fucking weird you should not let them she's stay the only here. one in the movie who acts semi-human yes <laughs> like who makes semi-rational decisions for example the dad in the movie oh my is God. constantly looking at his phone to trade on the foreign exchange like he's buying iraqi dinars to to sell at <laughs> right. three in the morning yeah totally neglectful of his wife not at all paying attention to what's going on you know like that's that's fine that's a that's a common archetype in film but that's literally all the character is we've seen it a million times where it gets to an even higher level with him is when more pilgrims start showing up inexplicably (laughs) one of the first times we realize this is that uh one of the characters walks into the dad's office and there's like four big like beardy pilgrim looking guys in there and he's like they're gonna help me rebuild the garage and move my office out there what (laughs) well and at a certain point we just see him smoking a big old pipe he's smoking he's smoking like a fucking (laughs) hobbit pipe in his office with these strange men who we haven't seen before he's like these guys are gonna help me rebuild the garage isn't that great and personally i see this is a huge plus this is all very like it's, we were, we were it's laughing way way off. funny like, yeah like, and I, I i enjoyed it here's the thing low effort comedy is a tightrope walk if there ever was low effort comedy can come across as very funny 
yeah. when done right. But, you know, you, you got to walk that line. And this this movie occasionally does it quite well. And it's it's very funny where they're just like, oh, who gives a shit? Like, why do we need to explain the, the pilgrim showing up? And I love that. I thought that was hilarious. No, I thought that was really funny, too, because like at that point, fuck it. Yeah. Right? Like, when, who cares? When the first two just show up and things are still somewhat within the realm of reality, Ethan just goes in the back and just builds a shed. Just, you know, because, just because, yeah. And and it has nothing in it. And the only time we see him using it is to hang around with the the small child. With the little boy, yeah. Yeah. Strong Epstein vibes coming off of that. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Spooky Pilgrim Man. Builds, yeah, he just shows up at their house and builds a... No good diddling kids. Yeah, a a kitty diddling shed in the back. There's never anything in the shed. At one point later, they slapped a red light inside the shed. uh, For some reason. Well, that's for for the aesthetic. (laughs) One of the several moments in this movie where the bizarre production choices kind of accentuated the absurdity of things well once once the pilgrims take over the house like it turns into like a like your generic 15 dollar haunted house yeah like absolutely but but thanksgiving themed but like the fish i think for example i was pissed off about it at first but as the movie went on, it just kind of accentuated the absurdity of the events going on. It starts to fit the film, like, yeah, 40 yeah. minutes in. But also, there's a, a sequence later on where they're at, like, the Thanksgiving dinner table, and uh, this big, dramatic, tense scene is going on, and there's, like, a live gospel song playing in the yeah, background. yeah. What was that? <laughs> yeah, you can hear what the was audience. That? Yeah, you can hear yeah. the audience clapping in the audio track. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck was that? One of the most bizarre choices I've well, seen in a while. The composer had a weekend to put the shit together and like had to find whatever free licensing Thanksgiving related music he could find and he made a bad choice even then. <laughs> like, oh, yikes. Well, you you mentioned earlier Cleveland that there's like a handful of shots in the movie. I mean like Four or five five shots that are starkly contrasted with the rest because they do not have the fisheye. But the confusing thing about that is those few shots are all at the Thanksgiving dinner scene when all of the pilgrim cultists are, like, eating the dad. Of all of the scenes to not use the fisheye, the absurd, nightmarish, fever dream horror scene, that's where you use the fisheye the whole time. So, I have one of two theories for this. Okay. Either they started with that scene, shooting that first, and their lens broke four shots in... Or they went back for reshots. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's probably it. They went in for reshoots, and when they went to rent their equipment that time, they couldn't get the X, they couldn't get the X Games <laughs> yeah. package. Or, or the, the maybe like that that camera ran out of battery for a moment. How few of those shots that there are make them stand out even more. Well, and the thing is, it seemed like the same camera, it just a different lens. Yeah, and that's why I wonder like if it. It was just like a uh, a shoddy digital effect. Well, if it was a think. digital effect, they could easily put it on the other ones. And that's the thing. That's what makes it. Yeah. So well, they just lazily missed a couple. Or I'm not. Something. I'm not like, saying I mean, that's, that's why I'm thinking. That. I'm not saying you're wrong. And in fact, 
if that is the case, if the fisheye effect is is an after effect and not a lens, that is way, way worse. worse. Oh, yeah. That is way, way, way worse. Oh, wholeheartedly agree. There's no good answer. Whatever speculation we might have. And the thing, too, is like when the fisheye is actually applicable and fitting, my problem with it is by then it's 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 worn out. It's welcome so much. I'm already getting a headache. It's, well, right, it's detracting from the fun parts of the movie. Yeah. What so a bizarre choice, though. Ugh. And with such an absurd movie it feels like it's trying to ride the line between something completely fuck it self-aware like thanks killing and like a more serious slasher film like the collector it's really entertaining but it's just so disjointed it's very very bad it's It's rough It is rough. I'm glad the movie is only 80 minutes because while I did have fun watching it, I think I might have died if it was much longer. Well, and it's tough for me to even recommend this as like a movie to watch while drunk and rowdy with friends because if you're drunk, you're going to throw up after you see this movie. Yeah, I have a hard time recommending this as well. Like, maybe just like right now for the season yeah. like if you really in the background don't pay attention to if it. you really want a wacky thanksgiving horror movie to watch, watch thanks killing well right watch thanks killing or watch blood freak you know but if you don't have access to those or have seen them already i mean this one's on hulu i mean it, yeah you can you can get at it pretty easy I want to talk about the cucking stool. stool. Good, good. Okay. That's, <laughs> yes. That was next on my, my list as well. So basically the whole idea behind this Thanksgiving cult is that they take things away from people to make them appreciative for what they have. Uh, sometimes. So, right, sometimes. So, I mean, it is it is saw. But Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, you know, same same motivations as Jigsaw, uh, but holiday themed. All of the punishments and stuff have to be. I use this term extremely loosely. Uh period accurate. Oh my god, yeah. It's, uh, easing into the cucking stool. We're set up to believe that these actors are hell-bent on authenticity. You know, in the previous episode, I got, I got into, like, my, my love for historical accuracy, and obviously, like, going into this movie, I wasn't expecting much of anything with that, even when they say that in the dialogue. I'm like, that's fine, or whatever. But right off the bat, when we the pilgrims enter, we get up, we get panning shots and cuts of their, their shoes and the hats, and it's like grade school level like pilgrim costumes yeah, i'm talking plastic buckles and plastic yeah, buckles. Yeah. like i'm not even looking for period accurate clothing like i'm fine with the buckles and hats but can they not be plastic like really like but they want to it's they, easier like just just do buckles well, that's almost funnier to me that they're just cheap reenactors <laughs> yeah. that they that care take so it way too seriously right they they take it very seriously but they obviously haven't done enough of their own research to like really be convincing but what the whole thing reminded me a lot of of was that old episode of South Park where they go to the Pioneer Village where none of the villagers break character even when they're being held up by <laughs> by criminals. <laughs> oh my god. It's such an old it's, episode, yeah. It is. Uh, and, I mean, maybe too deep of a cut for some of our younger listeners, if we have any, but, like, I could not stop thinking about the, the fucking thieves having a gun to the guy's head and, like, tell us the key to the, the code to the safe. I don't know nothing about it. I'm just a simple blacksmith. <laughs> and it blow his brains out. Oh, my God. Like, so much better, Dud. 
if, I, if well, we're being real, I mean, too. Like, I mean, of yeah. So, yeah. The cooking stool. The cooking stool, yeah. Roundabout way to get back to the cooking stool. Here's actually where they actually did some homework. This is where I, I get so, like, kind of delightfully confused. It's like, we have the plastic buckles and hats, but the climactic torture device of the movie, when they, they bring out our, our protagonist and, you know, it's, it's time for her to be tortured until she's thankful, uh, they declare, bring out the cucking stool, and they take her into their suburban backyard that's been retrofitted to a, a, an odd haunted house Thanksgiving theme. Well, Unmotivated colored lights. Mm-hmm. Can't tell what, what source they're supposed to be coming from. Um, uh, I believe there's a fog machine as well. Oh, yeah, the lighting's a mess. Uh, yeah, it's all over the place. And and when they said bring out the cucking stool, I think we all had a moment where we were just like, did we all they looked, say that right? We like, all looked what? at each other and said, cucking stool. Yeah, like, there's no way he said that. Maybe he said, bring out the fucking stool. Like, what what's going on? And so I quickly Googled on my phone the cucking stool, and it's a real thing. Surprisingly... They did a good job of depicting it. Like, it looks like the cucking stools, like, from that era, which were used to specifically, like, punish women for whatever stupid, dated bullshit. But we're like showing their ankles after 6.30 p.m. Exactly. Like, that kind of, you know, horrible <laughs> battle <laughs> days stuff. They're as elaborate as what we see in the movie. I, I mean, I guess, I guess points for that. It's a chair on a big wooden lever. Like a uh, jib? Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Like a jib, and they strap uh, the protagonist into it, and then they dunk her up and down in the swimming pool until she's grateful. Yep, or until she says she's grateful so she can get out of the situation. I will say, to this film's credit, I thought pretty much all of the kills were quite fun. Yes. They somehow managed to make all of the horror and the violence Thanksgiving appropriate. Yeah, well, they, which I didn't think they would be they, able to they do. They relish in the absurdity yes. a lot of the time. Like that's for example, where the film gets stronger with yes. uh, patience at the other house, the friend's house. Yeah, yeah. she uh, poisons the mother with tea. We see her like using a butter churner and. Blood is just coming out. <laughs> yeah, just like sitting in a room, just like staring at a wall, just like ferociously manhandling a butter churner. I don't know about you guys, but I just assumed there was a head in there or something that she was churning. But nope, later we uh, cut to her and she's just like dead on the floor. Yeah, the mom's just dead on the floor. I think... The more I think back to that scene, I think what it's supposed to be is that she's churning the butter so ferociously that her hands are bleeding, and that's what the blood is from. Well, but it's like coming up from yeah, it. Yeah, like it's big, definitely It's like the thing up. is full of blood. Is yeah, the I think it, it, she just chucks some of her guts in there. I, but we see the mom's the body, body, and she just has like a like a head wound. Like yeah. she's I, I don't. It's called they didn't think it through. Damn. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the answer. And You're probably right. Let's not gaze into the void on that too much deeper, I think. It's, it's, it's a futile attempt. The churning is hilarious. Yes, um, yes. They bring back the poisoning stuff in a really fun way as well later on at the Thanksgiving. Our family fights back against the pilgrim cult. At that point, I was mostly just experiencing white noise, so I feel like I, <laughs> I missed something uh, narratively. When did she get the herbs to poison them? When and she went over to the neighbor's house and she found her dead boyfriend. Okay. And she took the herbs. Then. We don't see her take the herbs. 
Or there's yeah, really yeah, nothing hinted towards that, but that's when she takes them. Sure, no, 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 wait, no, she, like, crushes the, it's not that she takes the herbs from the, the house, cherry, she, it's, it's the, the cherry, cherry pits, pits, I guess. No, no, she did literally put the herbs in and showed it afterwards. So it's both. Because we saw her do the cherry pits, too. He says, like, oh, the cherries, or the cranberries, or whatever. Well, yeah, they have her using a mortar and pestle to make cranberry sauce, and we see her grab a couple of cherries. Cherry pits, Cher- are cherry pits, like, yes, apple seeds? They, they, they have arsenic? But you need a the, fuckload of she, them. She literally put some of the herb in there as well. It, it feel- shows a close-up of her dropping it in. Word. That feels so like... it's both. That, that, yeah, why do both? Why not just pick one? That seems unnecessary. Well, also, why did she grab the herb from the house the house did she think it was like weed or something yeah well, she, she has no contact she wouldn't have known what it was yeah props to her for thinking like oh if i grind up some cherry pits in with the cranberry sauce then there'll be arsenic and there'll be poison like okay that's kind of clever but to not just do that but to also have her grab herbs that she has no context for and also just throw those in that's pretty confusing. It's nonsense. I do love that it leads to uh, all of the pilgrim cult running around throwing up blood all over the house. Right. Well, before that, too, the the big reveal of what the meat is at the feast yeah, is it's, it's the, the dad. dad. And yeah. they, they did the, the cheesy, like, head under the, like, body yeah. under the table, <laughs> yes. the head surrounded in lettuce. Like, it's, <laughs> it's as low effort stuff, as it gets. Yeah. And I, I, I respect the shit I out of that. I found that That's quite good, charming, that's actually. That's wonderful low yeah. effort comedy. And, uh... And then we get, like, a wonderful sequence of all the pilgrims, like, eating the dad and, like, you know, getting off on it. And and, laughing like, maniacally yeah. while the family screams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we have our big reveal. She's poisoned all the sauce or whatever. And then we, so then we have them all vomiting blood. And it's, right. again, comical. The, they have, a like, they have, like, the fake hose hooked up to the lead pilgrim. And he's just spraying blood out. And it, it's, it's delightful. I love how hard patience is to kill that... That no matter what they do to her, she keeps yeah, they being like a, a, they, a spike in her head. What is it? Yeah, uh, I, I think it's like the the turkey carving fork or something. Yeah, 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 thin one. Yeah, and and they stab her in the head. Well, they pin her hand to her head, but it goes like all the way into her skull, yeah, like through her hand into her head. And and Ethan like pulls it out, and she just like sprays a big gout of blood from the hole in her head. She's like, I'm fine. <laughs> And then continues to be evil. Yeah, continues to run around trying to kill them. And I mean, she gets poisoned too, and she's also running around throwing up blood and leaking blood from the massive hole in her skull. And, you know, she's in it to win it. Mm-hmm. I respect it. Yeah. I, I respect that. It's a hearty girl. I respect that. <laughs> Uh, speaking of, for about half the film, I was I was very confused because I, I knew I'd seen that actress who was play, who played Patience in something else before. And I figured out she's one of the in-laws in Ready or Not who keeps accidentally shooting people with the crossbow. Yes. So yes. Uh, I, uh, yeah. I wouldn't have noticed that unless you had pointed yeah. it out. And, and I, so I, I thoroughly enjoy her performance in both films. Like, she's, she's yeah, great. she's great. She, yeah. she really you can tell she goes all in, like even in like a, sh- a silly movie like this. She puts in effort, like in I, her performance, even if it's hammy. Her and uh, Peter Giles who plays Ethan, the the main pilgrim, I think they both ham it up to a really, really delightful yeah. degree. Ethan spends the whole film doing this, like, weird, like, Liam Neeson impression. And yes, I, 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 yes. 
it was very fun. When they first opened the door, I thought it was Matthew Modine in a wig. Uh, I'm glad it wasn't, although that would have been pretty funny. But like, yeah, you're you're right. He does like this this strange Liam Neeson impression the entire movie, and he is just so insanely over the top like dick dastardly over the top i thought that was really delightful oh yeah there's a couple especially towards the end when they're really losing it he has a multiple just hammy maniacal laugh snidely whiplash moments and i yeah, i loved all of those one last thing how this film tries to play the, the climax off as potentially a dream sequence but is is so ambiguous and unaware of itself uh, that it it makes no statement at all the movie starts with them having a fa- like the the family just having their own little dinner and them breaking a wishbone oh, the wishbone and, i forgot about uh, yeah, that yeah, like we see them break a wishbone and uh she doesn't say what she wishes for but it's revealed that she's, she's well you wishing. hear you hear it in voiceover oh, that's right they do, do as that. she breaks the sequence. wishbone it's after she's been told that they're bringing in these pilgrim reenactors she wishes i wish the whole thing will blow up in your stupid face yep and oh boy does it be careful what you wish for does it ever be thankful for what you have mm -hmm. but i have to keep in mind that one could make the argument that oh yeah the whole movie is a dream sequence like the wishbone breaks she has a wish or whatever and she's sent into this dream realm like it's like a labyrinth situation i even made that joke when they break the wishbone and i was like you know haha i wish my brother was taken away to by the goblin king you know it's it's basically careful what you wish for thing yeah and it ended up being that but the film ends with ethan revealing like after she's become thankful through all of her horrible events or whatever that he has a he has that same wishbone in his pocket implying that he's some sort of supernatural event but he's the, the movie's fish eye he's thanksgiving and, krampus yeah like the mm-hmm. the dream sequency stuff is going on the entire movie like before yeah. the wishbone breaking before all of the rest of it so like there's no cueing in that or foreshadowing of like when or how reality is broken or what occurs so the whole thing just feels like like a, a poor like goosebumps special like well that's the thing i don't think it's mu- as much of a dream sequence as it just is thanksgiving krampus yeah i don't think mm. it's i didn't read it as it was supposed to be a dream but i did feel like i was having a fever dream while i was yes. watching mm-hmm. it. absolutely totally devoid of logic it's important to mention that this is not happening like in some like isolated country house like out in the middle of nowhere like we see where it is it's on like a cul-de-sac like this is a suburban neighborhood and the climax of the film is two dozen pilgrim cultists dunking a screaming girl into a swimming pool on a massive cucking stool and like the neighbors would hear all of this at some point like they even says like go ahead and scream or something right at one point well oh my god totally forgot he locks the parents up in stockades out in the backyard by the pool and he and whips the dad's back and brands the mom with a B, which was weird. I guess it's a Bill thing. It's, it's B it. for B. Yeah, you said that during the movie, and I, that kind of broke me a little bit. Yeah, I was B all, for Bill Grum. I was all like, I could not stop thinking about that for the rest of the movie. I, maybe it's also like a period thing. Who, who's a, a form of punishment? 
<laughs> but they just don't explain it. So I mean, it would make more Belgium. sense if it was an A, you know, like the scarlet letter for adultery. I'm just trying to think of what, what it would could be. It have, what could it have been? I, I'm sure we could look it up and find B like, some for, context uh, for it. Maybe. That's the branding iron they had. B I for brand. I don't think I want to know, honestly. I'm going to choose to keep thinking that it's B for Bill Graham. I mean, yeah, you don't see me searching anything <laughs> on my phone. Like, uh, no, yeah. The mom is, like, screaming bloody murder when they're out there in the stockades. It's like, the neighbor, somebody would have heard. Somebody definitely would have heard. Well, like, we do get a vibe that maybe the pilgrims have taken over the entire neighborhood. I didn't get that vibe. We see, like, uh, some character, I can't even remember who, like, out on the street, and there are pilgrims out there, too. And, like, they are just everywhere. That's actually... But it's not well implied. That's actually a more... I can't remember if that scene happened or not. That's a more interesting concept. I would love, like, if Cody escaped at some point, and she, like, runs down the street to, like, try to get help and, like, knock and on it was neighbors. like in a situation right where... and like knocks knocks on a neighbor's door or something and then just like a pilgrim lady opens the door that would be hilarious yeah. that's that's more clever part than of, what they did in the fucking movie part of Correct. what i read early on in the movie it's pretty well established that all of the neighbors hate the stepmom as well yeah she sucks yeah. for sure yeah so i just assumed it was <laughs> they, heard they, no shit. they were like let her die right you they know. they, they the neighbors know what's going on and they just don't give a shit. Yeah, exactly. Again, a, a cut to that would have been, oh, sorry, a cut to that would right. have been great. Literally, literally anything. anything. And like that, that's that, so little effort there, but oh well. I thought it was really funny how they made a big deal about like the reason Cody hates Thanksgiving so much and why she's so adverse to this whole thing is because her mom abandoned them on Thanksgiving. And it's like, we get like, partial flashbacks to that and it seems but it's like, never really concluded no it never has any payoff it seems like they're trying to like draw attention to it like it's gonna be relevant somehow yeah. like oh this shit this time of year is always hard for her or, or what if her mom is one of the her real mom is one of the pilgrim cultists what if during the dinner you know she walks out and it's like mom is like yeah uh, you're you weren't thankful enough so I went off and joined this pilgrim cult it would have been fucking stupid but it would have been funny as hell. They never do anything with no, it. No, they never do anything with it. And it's like the opening shot of the film. It's like the setup with like the, the shot that they keep repeating with like panning up from the feet behind the chair. Right. And it, it doesn't really conclude in any way. No. Or clearly. Hey, just say say something. Give give me thing. Just so that you can put a bow on this movie and it doesn't just kind of end awkwardly. I, I think you. it's funny that you mentioned that, though, because I think a lot of my favorite parts of this movie were the most absurd parts. And I was almost wishing by the end that they pushed the absurdity yeah. even further yeah. because I think they could have gone because they're obviously way dumber and way more ridiculous. Right. They obviously it, I think it's laziness, man. I yeah. really do. You can only do so much with I think it's I think it's just they they didn't have a whole lot to work with. They didn't have a whole lot of time and they used the excuse of like self-awareness to get around that, but it never quite pushes any of those boundaries far enough. I mean with a couple of things like the cucking stool is fun. The kitty did Ling shed is is weird. The kills are goofy. The kills are goofy. The head, you know, with the lettuce. But it's, it's always, fun. but it's it's not quite there. I, I I wish they would push it just a little bit farther. And I also just found. 
I found Cody to be a very unpleasant protagonist. Like, I get that she's, like, the bitter teenage daughter who, like, you know, is ungrateful for what she has, like, the whole Thanksgiving parable or whatever. I get that, but I found her, like, genuinely unpleasant to spend time with. It's fine to have, like, an edgy protagonist, and, you know, like, her character is apparently going through a hard time in the film, but we Give never me see, something like, to connect with any then. human, you know, like, decency from her. Like, she's, she's kind of nice, nice to her little she's brother. She's nice to her little brother, and, that's about it. Yeah, and, like, the problems don't necessarily stem from the dialogue. Like, I agreed with the majority of the things she was saying. Like, well, right, she's the she's only... She's just like, hey, look, I, I liked it when she was, like, drilling into Ethan about, like, his accuracy and stuff. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Like, she even calls him out on how, like, like some historical fact. We see her kind of, like, research pilgrims at one point so she can do that and i liked that like that was fun a lot of it comes down to just her her mood the whole film like there's no arc with her like she's always in a shitty mood like from the beginning to the end there's nothing fun about about her character in well, that that's, respect that's the thing is but her being bitter about like the native americans and and whatnot that's like it's great i think it needed to be said like in the movie and like sure it, it's, no i think that's relatively well done and coming from your protagonist it's nice like like we said she's the only one who makes human decisions in the movie but she is just not a likable character we have no sort of connection with her and it's hard to root for her as a protagonist when she's just a little comedic sarcasm yeah you know from her or or something just to like so i can like this character yeah i definitely don't see it as like the actress's fault i think she was working no well. she was she fine what she had like she was doing all right it just yeah the, the character itself is i i thought all of the acting for the material they were working with was okay yeah yeah i thought the pilgrims great. i thought the pilgrims were hammy enough to be enjoyable everybody else was fine the script was not great uh so like some of the dialogue was was bad i mean and it's just like just the, the fucking editing, man. Like when you're trying to have character moments where like two characters are talking to each other and you're cutting to a different angle, literally every and second. And they break the 180 rule. It's constantly, doing that. constantly breaking the 180 degree God, rule. They do, don't they? Yeah. It's just so amateurish. How can I even focus on the dialogue and the character building when, when this is happening? Yeah. Like I didn't see Bohemian Rhapsody, but that clip was going around Twitter for a while of like how bafflingly edited it was and it, it's like this movie like the it, that made me think of it immediately when they were having that party Feels scene. Feels like the same editor almost. It does. And didn't that film get nominated for an an Academy Award for editing? I believe it might have Man, won. I hope Did I hope that, that that trend dies like that quick like Yikes, YouTuber editing like it just let it well, die like I mean, it, it's so ADD and it's ugh. fine for action movies. Yeah. Well, I mean even then I mean there's a whole conversation sure. about how like you know you you actually can't see the fight sequencing and like it's a way to hide I agree. I I prefer in terms of like fight fight scenes and action stuff i prefer like I, the i prefer like the john wick approach I mean, without even genre fighting or the, just like or the for intensity. approach yeah you know like for intensity in a sequence it can work but when I the mean, sequence isn't intense you're building a house with only a hammer well, like what are you doing i mean this is just another great example of how dated the style of this movie is because when was that style of like 
super rapid cut editing and handheld photography early the most 2000s. popular early to mid 2000s well it really gained yeah. its popularity from gladiator and the and from the born movie yeah 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 i was right by the way with bohemian rhapsody winning it did editing, win oh my which is god the worst thing that's why i don't watch the, that's why i don't watch the oscars anymore <laughs> we live in hell we truly live i in hate hell. that um, i hate that like passionately like i really hope that this that that trend of like quick shot editing fucking dies like it's like it's, when it when it's, it's needless it's mtv editing i i don't have as much of a problem with it as you guys but it has a time and a place yes i oh, agree absolutely and when you're shooting dialogue scenes it's you not don't need for dialogue it. You don't scenes. need it. It's not for dialogue scenes. No, I yeah. agree. And it, it's definitely, like, to the detriment of, like, the actors in this movie, like, trying to give, like, a funny, ham-fisted performance or do everything they can with what they have. And I always appreciate that in, in bad movies. But yeah. here, like, you, I couldn't fucking tell you because it's just so distracting. Well, that's the thing, too, is I think in this movie, I think I would have liked the actors to be a little worse. Once again, the pilgrims were the parents. Yeah. The, the pilgrims were like what I wanted, but like the parents and like the kids, I think I would have found it more endearing if they were worse actors. Yes, yeah, pick a line, either uh, you know, full on or full off. You know, like with Troll Two, of course, it's so fucking funny because the character, the they're such bad actors, but they're trying, but they're so trying hard. They're and trying. Everyone's trying hard, and like the and sincerity like, is, is this, so wonderful. In this, aside from the pilgrims, I didn't feel like anybody was trying that hard and we were getting okay performances out of them you know so much of this movie i think could have been fixed on the cutting room floor yeah totally well i mean well oh, I don't when know you're working that. <laughs> the editing could have been done very very differently and i don't know what the film would have been like but uh yeah with the fucking fish islands um, if it ever was overall i can't really say that i would recommend this film no. i enjoyed it i enjoyed us watching it and making fun of it don't know if i would go back to it ever it's also relative like for the most part it's definitely turned me off from into the dark well that's the thing i was today looking around at some like reviews online and like a lot of reviews are saying like this is by far the best into the dark film so far oh, oh no so Boy. hulu considers it quote-unquote television we had two commercial breaks during this film yes, we did. and we saw the preview for their december into the dark don't remember what it's called but it looked like like, uh, I have no memory of it. It looked like a, a, a ripoff of Ready or Not, like a Christmas theme yeah. Ready or Not. Yeah, oh, that's looked... right! The imitation was... Oh, God, I completely forgot. Yeah, yeah like, the imitation was, was so clear. Yeah. Like, it, it just... It was Ready or Not. And, like, that... Mm, but cheaper. Big fucking like, finger wag at that. Yeah, Ready or Not, but cheaper. Yeah, just trying to cash in and... Mm -mm. And, cr and make it Christmas-themed. Yikes. Hearing people say that Pilgrim is, like, the best Into the Dark that they've done so far they haven't been doing it for long i don't even think they've been doing it for all of 2019 i, I think, think they've they, been doing it for more than a year i, I think they i saw really? that there was one for thanksgiving last year Holy but it wasn't shit. thanksgiving themed fuck they must have just not started advertising it until earlier this year because i don't remember seeing anything for into the dark before like six months ago i didn't even heard about it until this movie um, so yeah but, I I mean, rock, so. fuck if if this is if this is the best they can do then i would be miserable to see what they've done so far yeah. and like maybe they can turn it around you know maybe we can get something that is surprisingly well made you know, like again movies being shot in a weekend not necessarily a detriment well, like, and, and what i what i will what i will say too is that i'm not completely against 
against the idea of Into the Dark because Same. if you throw enough spaghetti at the wall, eventually something will probably stick. And, the, and if it, Blumhouse, it seems they're like giving it all, like each episode off to different directors, so Blum, like it's not like they're just yeah, making one. That's on. one of the charms of an anthology series is you're never locked in on the quality. You know, it will change drastically from episode to episode. Black Mirror is a great example. Yeah. Yes. And this one wasn't great, but maybe one of these, maybe one in of the these future. times will be good. Here's like, I'm not going to actively seek him out, but if I hear about one. I would say know. if Blumhouse is willing to keep throwing money at like smaller directors to give them a chance to make something unique and different, I'm all for that. This one was, was a pretty big miss of the mark, I think think yeah. and it seems like a lot of the others have been too uh but that's not to say that something better won't come along out of it who knows you know maybe yeah. we'll maybe maybe the next up-and-coming uh horror auteur will get their start with into the dark i'm not holding out but you never yeah, know no. yeah you guys ready to rate yes sir yeah uh, okay, I'll start. Some fun stuff. Uh, a wacky wild ride. Thank God it wasn't more than 80 minutes. Uh, got plenty of good laughs out of me, but... Uh, and fairly consistent, consistently and to its con- credit. Consistently, sure. Uh, but man, the fucking fisheye it makes it so unpleasant to look at, like so disorienting and and uncomfortable. And I just don't think any of it was quite fun enough to make me want to come back to this film. It was God, fine. No. It was fine for a single viewing. But I, yeah, I don't feel like I'll I'll ever really need to watch this movie again. I'm going to give it a two out of five. I'm a little more positive with it. While it is a total fever dream with some of the most bizarre production choices I've seen in a while, I did have fun watching it with you guys, and I, totally. I thought it was a fun experience. And even though I don't think it's a good movie, I think it is better than quite a few horror movies we've seen this year. I would say it's better than, like, The Perfection, you know? Or yes. Greta, uh, yeah, yes, I would yeah. say as well. Or Glass, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it a two and a half. I think it's not perfect. It's not even good, but it's not bad. It's, it's not, not terrible. It's not egregiously it's, avoid at all costs. It's not know? insulting. Yeah. Yeah, um, yes, this movie is a fever dream, but uh, you could say the same for Mandy. Mandy's a fever dream. That's one of my favorite films. This movie is a poor well, fever dream. Yeah. Like, I mean, comparing the two, well, I'll stop there. It's unfair. It, it really is. Beyond that, really, just, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do you, Ben. The laughs were great. It did give me a migraine, and so huge points off for that, and I just, I think if you got rid of the fisheye and put a little bit more attention to the movie, and there was just just a just a touch more effort in, in a few singular places you know slightly likable character they're all minor things but god do they add up and uh, you could have had a three or even a, a three and a half or four from me like i tend to like low effort comedy but man not not like this so it's a two and a half it's a two and a half i almost a three but not worth the migraine and i i cannot recommend it all right well that will give pilgrim an average of 2.3 out of five pods now boys It is Thanksgiving, and I am thankful. I'm thankful for you guys and for this show, but we can't forget that this is America, and Thanksgiving is an American holiday founded on American principles of consumerism. Yeah, it's Black Friday Eve. It's Black Friday Eve, and I have things that I want to buy, so we need to get paid. So Cleveland, 
Who is our Thanksgiving sponsor for this week? Well, I'm glad you asked, my friend. This week, uh, we are being sponsored by... Have you ever wanted your butter churned more churnally? Have you ever been thankful, but not thankful enough for your butter? Well, now we're going to change that with Ethan's and Precious or whatever the fuck her name is. <laughs> uh, 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 deluxe Thanksgiving historically accurate Blooder Churner. Blooder Churner, you say? That's right. This Christmas or Thanksgiving or whatever the fuck. Mix up your holiday with a nice Blooder Churner. I'm a man with a very particular set of skills. <laughs> and that skill is butter churning. <laughs> and if you don't believe me, I will find you, and I will churn your butter. <laughs> All right, that'll bring us to the end of this Thanksgiving extravaganza. Next week, uh, it's going to happen for real this time. We're finally going to talk about Rock and Roll Nightmare. Yeah, We've been, we've been uh, trying to arrange this episode for months now, literally, and we've finally gotten a hold of our guest. So next week, look for a special guest episode of The Pod People where we discuss Rock and Roll Nightmare. That's right. We have locked in the rock. And roll. Nightmare. And nightmare. <laughs> Well, if you like the show and you're thankful for the show, then head on over to Apple Podcasts and give the gift of a five-star review. We really appreciate it. We would be most thankful. You can also follow us on Twitter at PodPeoplePod or at Letterboxd.com slash PodPeoplePod for the list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those episodes. Getting close to list season, so we're going to be having a lot of stuff that you can uh, check out on Letterboxd, so follow us preemptively. We'll be posting our year-end lists there uh, after we do the episodes, of course. Um, I have a new Twitter handle. You can find me on Twitter now at deep state ozzy oh boy <laughs> i'm at mr sheets and i'm occasionally tweeting for light arc studio as we continue to develop our wonderful spooky indie game it stares back go check it out the thanksgiving gift that keeps on giving the spooks that's right yeah you can find that on steam for six american dollars at the time of recording uh you can also join our discord you can find that on our twitter account or uh, at lightarkstudio.com you know do the ding dang thing um all right well we hope you're full of delicious foods sweet potatoes mac and cheese collards cranberry sauce all of the good shit i know i sure am and uh we'll We'll see you next week for a very special kind of nightmare, the rock and roll kind. See you later, turkeys. Mock, mock! <laughs> <laughs>